Listening to the Park Crush Podcast. This is a theme park podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me as ever is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? Very good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I'm now on day ten or maybe eleven of being back in the UK. Oh. I'm still clear oh. of coronavirus. Yeah. The UK's not. No, it's not. There yeah. are now about nine cases. Yeah, someone got an Uber. One so spread via Uber, so I hope he got a good tip. That's yeah. all I can say. <laughs> and I wouldn't blame him if... Because you can... Uber drivers can review customers, can't they? Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't blame them if he's <laughs> given that lady a not great review. <laughs> she bought coronavirus into my car. And it's a very, that's a very specific criticism to have of a passenger. I but think it's a fair criticism. I would say it probably yeah. is. Yeah. 200 people at a bus convention, they're done. Are they? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yep. Oh, no. Yep. Well, just don't bring it into any theme parks. That's all I, yeah. that's all I can say. That would be... Don't uh, you dare. That would be a very bad time. But, yes, as I say, I'm clear. I feel like if I get through this weekend, I'll be feeling pretty good about my chances of that remaining the case. I think yes. I'd, I'd have to be pretty unlucky to go to Singapore, come back and be fine, and then catch it <laughs> off some bloke on the tube. <laughs> that would be that would be a bit harsh. I've seen... Uh, was it Thursday? No, yesterday, in fact. I saw people wearing masks. Oh. Like full, you know, Ooh. surgical masks. I was like, really? We've got to that point. I saw someone wearing one on the tube. It was just a picture I saw. Uh, but it wasn't just kind of a, a, a surgical mask. It genuinely looked more like a Bane thing. It was kind of crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was very impressed, but also kind of terrified. So... Um, yeah. As we all know, they are pointless if you don't have the virus. That's very true. That's um, very true. Have you also read these stories about people? Uh, there's been a, I don't know what fashion week it was. I, I know this sounds hard to believe, but all I'm, the not, models have I'm not really in tune with the fashion scene, Josh. No. I know I'm extremely, extremely well dressed at all times. Yeah, but you're a fashionable chap. Yeah, yeah. But it's all just by chance, really. It's just natural intuition. I don't seek out fashion advice. You're, you're or not anything. a dedicated follower of fashion. I'm not a fashionista. I'm no. sorry to say. Yeah. However, I did read a story the other day about how, uh, yeah, the, because of fears over the coronavirus, a fashion show that's been going on that the models are wearing face masks, but you know, m- making them kind of part of their look. Right, They're not just right. walking down the catwalk with like a bog standard <laughs> dentist's face mask on. They're they're kind of yeah. Making a scene out of it, I guess. Cool. But each guess. to their own, yeah, I suppose. But anyway, yes, we're still free of coronavirus here, which is just as well, because it's meant we've been able to get together and have a go at some theme park ink. Yeah. We're continuing our theme park video game review series today, Josh. Uh, this is the final instalment in the theme park trilogy <laughs> after the theme park and theme park world. world yeah. We're now into theme park ink. Which, uh, as the name suggests, is a little more management focused. Yeah. A bit more about being a big business. Big theme park. They'll get you. Yeah. Yeah. Although, ironically enough, uh, the advisor that greets you when you launch the game does look like Bernie Sanders. 
Yeah. I'm pretty sure would he, resent this kind of thing. He was me- he's meant to be the, like the chairman of the board, right? He's he's, he's the president. He's the president. The president of, yes. of the theme park company. Yes, and he's entrusting you to basically, which is called Theme Park Inc. Yes, to take over. <laughs> yes. So um, yeah, Bernie Bernie runs theme parks in this weird uh, recreation of the world. The irony. Yes, uh, but he is British. Yeah, because this is still a bullfrog game. Of course, bullfrog, which. A lot of people from would I think then go on to form Lionhead, yeah. Uh, but Bullfrog, uh, having done a little bit of reading up on this game, this was actually their last game before they merged with EA completely. EA UK, EA UK specifically. So yes, uh, for those of you who don't know, in this series, we're just going through as many theme park video games as we can get our hands on, really in release order. And this is two thousand and one. Um, Space Odyssey. <laughs> one could only hope. Yeah, would you rather watch 2001 A Space Odyssey or play... Well, how long is that film? About two hours, three hours, two and a half? Yeah, it's long, isn't it? Would you rather watch that movie or play two and a half hours of Theme Park Inc.? If, if I, it's, like, it's pretty miserable out there, Josh. You don't want to go outside necessarily, unless you're going to see Sonic the Hedgehog, of course. Probably Theme Park Inc. You reckon? Yeah. Oh. Well, that that's something. You'd rather play this game than... What is widely considered to be one of the greatest films of all time? It's, uh, it depends. I guess it depends on the mood I'm in. Okay. Like, 2001 Space Odyssey is uh, quite an intense It is. Film it's not really a sit back and relax kind no. of movie experience. Absolutely. Um, unlike, I'm sure, Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. will prove uh, to be. As a bit of a sidebar, uh, my parents was, watched Ad Astra for the first time the other day. Oh, yeah. I thought it was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, I wasn't a massive fan, Yeah, to yeah. be honest. And my dad was like... It's like a space-time apocalypse now. <laughs> I was like, yeah. With uh, a gorilla. Yeah. Oh, then I was yeah. like, chimp or whatever the, it was. The best part about that film for me, Ad Astra, is that it, uh, the very first part where he goes to space yeah. is like a shot-for-shot shot remake of uh, when the space guy goes up to space in 2001 a Space Odyssey. The space guy. Yeah, the space guy. The spaceman. Yeah. Uh, but back then it's Pan Am, and in this one it's Virgin Galactic. Right. But it's, uh, yeah, it's almost shot for shot. It's really quite cool. Okay. Only well, good shot in Ad Astra. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, Theme Park Inc. Theme Let's park dive Inc. in. As we said, from the name. It's a bit more management focused than the Theme Park World, yes. which we did play a few weeks back. But to be honest, it's weird. Although the focus of the, the actual campaign is uh, a lot more focused on kind of objectives like getting more people through the door and making sure you're making enough money etc and if you fail too many of them you're going to end up getting a game over screen yeah you get but sacked the, but it's also I think if I'm right in saying is the first theme park game we've played in this series so far that has something close to a sort of full on ride creator uh, yeah other than well, Rodicoast Tycoon 1 obviously did that have some of that I mean yeah. this seemed like the most advanced take yeah, on this it though. Is certainly the most advanced take on it for sure. And this is more of a 3D environment that you're playing in more yeah. than a isometric uh environment uh, as is the case in RCT. It's, but yeah, it's really really simple system to use. It is actually. It looked really quite intuitive. Uh it's only for like track-based rides obviously like roller coasters and log flumes, flumes and things like that. So you can't sort of create your own thrill rides and and things like that but yeah it seemed nifty actually i was kind of surprised by by that feature yeah you know you, the fact that you can just it just gives you uh sets of squares that you can then build your next pylon in mm. 
It's really cool. So then you can choose whether it's going to be straight, whether it's going to be curved, uh, how intense the curve is. And you just kind of build in a simple circle, as it were, or whatever, you know, your rough outline of the track. And then from there, you can then adjust the height of each pylon mm. uh, to do, you know, um, hills and drops and that sort of thing. So it's really quite cool. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's neat. And you can, like, I think I'm right in saying, we didn't really get into this, but you can save rides that you've designed uh, to yeah, then use a, later. So if you yeah. if you make a cool ride in a certain save um, that you think is really cool and would like to reuse, but then, you know, that save goes awry, you hit a game over screen or whatever, you can save individual rides and then load them into subsequent campaigns that yep. you that you do uh which is neat because it seems like you could create some fairly unique stuff i don't think there's any uh online sharing or anything like that one of the games we played a few weeks ago was it theme park world, it was theme park that world did yeah. have some of that kind of online like sharing parks online and that kind yeah, of thing had a like an online server that you could share rides to and alas yeah. it was not working anymore uh no unfortunately not but in this one you could send a postcard by email, sponsored by HP. Yeah. <laughs> what was all that about? I don't know. It's so weird. Alas, that didn't work either. No, I remember that in the original game. They're like, hey, send this uh, postcard. And How does that... What kind of postcards? Just Are you, are like, you taking like screenshots? You take a of screenshot, your, basically, yeah. Of your game yeah. and then send it as a postcard? Yeah. I wonder how much that cost. Well, it's not a real po- postcard, Tom. It's an email, so it's free. Oh, right. Okay, fair. I wonder how much that was. I wonder how it was like formatted. Was it just literally an email with like an image attachment? Well, I never sent. I never actually did it. No, oh, um, I was. Yeah, I was barely. Did you even have an email address back then? Two thousand. What was this? Two thousand one. Yeah. Uh, I would have just. Uh, Two thousand one was when I remember getting an email address. I think my first email address, as probably everyone's was, of of our age, was AOL. Was your? Did you have one that far no, back? No, I never, yours I never had AOL. Oh. So my first one was Hotmail. Oh. Hotmail.com. I think my... Or maybe I'm wrong about it being AOL. And it was actually just my parents had the classic, you've got mail. Yeah. Uh, AOL really. thing. Yeah. I just remember my first email address. I can't remember what the domain was now, but it was Spider Tom. Spider Tom. Yeah. Spider Tom 26. Mine was... Uh, that was me. Capitano underscore Josh. Capitano underscore Josh. Yeah. I was captain of the rugby team at the time. Oh, I see. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I remember what a massive uh, crusade I had to go on to convince my parents to let me have MSM Messenger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had to hide it. <laughs> what <know>. Yeah. <laughs> like a drug, like a drug habit or <laughs> yeah. copies of... Play- I, copies that, of uh, <laughs> you could download Playboy. that thing. There's like an uh, overlay on it and you could press buttons really quick and it would hide... Oh, messenger from your screen and from downloading the taskbar. I remember the the drama that used to go on on MSN Messenger. Oh, the putting your boyfriends and your girlfriends and the the, the sort of the equivalent the, of an indirect uh, tweet that you now see yeah. when people have beef with someone but don't want to sort of just yeah, flat just out putting say it. Shade in their status in in their MSN statuses, yeah. <laughs> And it's just like emojis. Yeah. Do you remember all the uh, stupid animated greetings you could send people, like the knocking on the the screen? nudges, yeah. Do you remember Smarter Child? Did you bully Smarter Child? Who didn't bully Smarter (laughs) Child? Come on. I'm enjoying the uh, weird nostalgic turn that this podcast has taken. (laughs) MSN Messenger. I don't suppose that's still a thing. 
Uh, well, no, they kind of you started using Skype, right? And then, oh, of course, Skype is Microsoft now, isn't it? Yeah, it's Weird. built into. I think if you have Hotmail, there's still like a Skype slash Messenger. Oh, bar in the web app of Hotmail. Right, it's on the online. But... Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, back to theme park ink. Yeah. Uh, not only did you have not Bernie Sanders guiding you around, you also had the little blue person. Yeah. So I think N- it, not the Scottish geezer, but not the time. not not the Scottish geezer who was giving you instructions in theme park world or whatever. Yeah. Um, Boulder roller coaster over there. Now you had this uh, sort of slightly Irish person, I guess, who was sort of why don't you do this? Over yeah, it's there? like she was. She is originally from Ireland, but she's lived in England for a long time. Yeah, it was like an, it, it sounded like an Irish person trying to do a straight up boring English accent. Yeah. And occasionally you caught wind of the fact that I think she's Irish, actually. Yeah. But anyway, so that was weird. I don't understand really. I, I don't. I, I assume she's related to the little blue spherical man from Theme Park World. I mean, it's not really explained. No. I, I you know, in this modern era of ours where we, you know, and fully anticipate prequels and spin-offs and and whatever to explain literally every part of backstory of a thing yeah i, think I mean if theme park world came out today a year or two later we would get the backstory of the blue man well and what's going on with or him. you'd have to go play Fortnite to find out the backstory oh yes of course yeah yeah you're right actually that's probably what would happen somehow the blue person has returned <laughs> that was my response when i saw it. and then i realized it was a different person yes um with her, I, I did appreciate her little uh, her pigtails. Yeah. To uh, that, yeah, I think yeah. that was the only indication that she was now female. Yes. Or, or was female. Well, and the accent. Yeah. The voice. But mm. yeah. But or, I, or may, maybe theme park games were just really ahead of their time, and this was the same blue person who just, just transitioned. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah. In which case, fair play to uh, Bullfrog Games for, as I say, being so ahead of their time. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so yeah. Uh, a lot of the other features are kind of very familiar for veterans of theme park video games in terms of hiring staff and entertainers and stuff like that. There is just more focus on those aspects when it comes to actual objectives yeah. more than there is. How good are they at their jobs and uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I did like the first person view you could go into to actually walk around the park. Walk around the park, get on the rides. Because we had seen, I think again in Theme Park World, they had introduced the first person on the rides. Yes. But now you could do it just you couldn't control down on the ground. It. So we went on the go-karts in Theme Park World. Yes. But it was being controlled by someone else. Oh, okay. You're just a camera Mm. on the ride, whereas now you're like a person on the ride. Right. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, But it was weird. I mean, everyone seemed to be a child. (laughs) <laughs> and there weren't that many different character models <laughs> you would often no, just see like, like the same kids yeah. walking around this really creepy looking girl with pigtails so seeing two of them walk around together was just giving me like weird shining flashbacks which was kind of terrifying but hello daddy <laughs> yeah yeah that was a little bit weird speaking of uh the shining i don't know how you found like did you also think you and McGregor's? This is a really weird tangent, but I saw Birds of Prey as a recording yesterday. Yes, and you and McGregor's like accent is like kind of all over the place a little bit, but in a way that I could kind of get behind. Okay, he's one of few actors who I feel like I I can just accept that his American accent isn't that great. Yeah, or like it's it's fine, it's consistent, but it seems very obviously a British person doing an accent. It doesn't sound as authentic as, say, you know, like Daniel Kaluuya, for example. Yeah. Like his American accent, amazing. Yes, very good. Excellent, um, in fact. 
Whereas Ewan McGregor's just sounds like someone concentrating really hard on doing an American accent. Yeah. I found that way in Doctor Sleep. I don't know about you. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's much the same in Birds of Prey. It just feels like he's He having... should go back to voicing the blue guy in Theme Park. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Just put that raid over there. Do you reckon that's, that's not... I don't think it was that close <laughs> to Ewan McGregor, if I'm honest. No, maybe not. I mean, I very rarely even hear Ewan McGregor speak in a Scottish accent because he's either doing... Hello there. Or he's doing his kind of American thing, I he's guess. He's always American other than in Star Wars, as far as Is I he? can tell. What, what about Moulin Rouge? He's just straight up British, right? Even though that's French, that that's set in France, but no one yeah, speaks he's in meant a French accent. He's meant to be French. Is he meant to be French? What, in Moulin Rouge? I just assumed he was like oh. British on tour. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't know. I assume he's meant to be French. Oh, yeah, maybe. But I don't know. Mm. Now that you mention it. If he's in train spotting, right? Oh yeah, of course. So he's he's uh, Scottish in that. Oh yeah, that that would make sense, I suppose. Yeah, uh, he's not Scottish in uh, Christopher Robin, which is a surprisingly good film. I don't know if you've seen that. I have not seen that. It's one. It's really though. good, actually. Yeah. It's not really a remake because obviously Disney have been doing all these live action remakes. Yes, and this doesn't fall into that sort of slightly. This it doesn't fall into the exact same camp as just straight up just remake. He is um, Christopher Robin, right? He's Christopher Robin. But I guess it does kind of somewhat fall into that category of taking something that you traditionally know to be an animated thing to, uh, and, yeah. and making it live action. But it's really good. It's, it's very like heartfelt. A... As a Pooh fan, I was well into it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of them remake come sequels. I, um, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. I guess or so. sequel come remakes, like yeah. Mary Poppins 2. Yeah. So... Um... So yeah, Theme Park Inc. As I say, this was the last instalment in the Theme Park trilogy, the Theme Park Saga. Do you think it brought a fitting end to things, Josh? Were you satisfied with how it tied up the loose ends? Uh, I I can understand why this is the last one. Could you sense. believe the Theme Park president was a Palpatine all along? <laughs> <laughs> I am Ray Theme Park. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Um. I, so obviously, this is kind of nostalgia thinking, talking, or remembering. Yeah. But the next one of these theme park, whatever the bloody hell they're going to call it, because I keep changing the name of it rather than just putting a two at the end, uh, would have come out the same time as Rodecoaster Tycoon Three. In theory, you know. Time oh, oh, if it had come out. Yeah. I? Right. I see what you mean. And it would have been blown out of the water mm. compared to Rodecoaster Circling 3. So I think uh, I think it's uh, an apt time to uh, leave the game. Right. Okay. I see what you're saying. And I guess, I mean, Bullfrog went on to kind of become Lionhead in a, in a sense. Mm. Uh, and they would go on to make, what, Black and White? Yeah. And the movies? The movies. And Fable? Yeah. Uh, so some famous stuff. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of those Fable games and the movies. Oh, the movies will always have a special place in my heart. Hokey Dokey Jones was robbed of uh, Best Picture. That was a great time. That's all I'm saying. That was a great time. That was a great game. It certainly was. Anyway, um, as is always the case, I like to look up kind of um, uh, some of the critical reception from the time when we do these. <laughs> And uh, and so, <laughs> Wikipedia also has some weirdly specific sales data about Theme Park Inc., which yeah. I enjoyed. It sold 290,000 copies and earned $5.8 million between its release in January 2001 and August 2006. So how it's done in the previous 14 years, we can only speculate. Yeah. But in the first five and a bit, 
of its of its release, it did two hundred ninety thousand copies, mm. which so doesn't it, sound like a lot, really, but uh, it made it the sixty eighth best selling computer game between huh. January two thousand and one and uh, August two thousand six. I think XP is the last version of Windows that this would have played on uh, natively. Right, yeah. Yeah, if you type Theme Park Inc. into YouTube, like I think the second result is, it's on Windows, working on Windows 10. Yeah. It is possible to do this. Yes. But, um, yeah, we did have some trouble getting it up and running totally smoothly. But, yeah, in terms of reviews from the time, uh, IGN gave it an 8.5 out of 10. It's a good score. But good IGN score. always giving out good scores. Certainly are. Certainly are. Uh, it says it has a visual charm similar uh, that similar games, sorry, such as Rollercoaster Tycoon, lack. What do you have to say to that, Josh, uh, as a member of the I Rollercoaster think, Tycoon Defense Force? I think like they uh, followed on from that with really makes you feel like a theme park <laughs> vice president. <laughs> uh, um, they, they said it was much improved from Theme Park World in regards to the interface and the advisor system. I, I, it sums it up, right? What IGN is about more than anything is. They like the visuals. Um, I was just looking for the box of oh, theme the parking. In this Where one, is it? Though. Oh, you've got so many video game drawers, it's hard to keep track. So, yeah. Did you know, sorry, we haven't mentioned this, the theme park president was called Mr. Mayberry. Mr. Mayberry. Ma- Mr. Mayberry, that, yeah. That's um. The back of the box is very text-heavy. It's actually formatted like an email. That's the name of the lead singer of Churches, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, so maybe this is her um, father... Do you think churches should do uh, a James Bond song? I would love one, but I don't think their vibe suits Bond. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. Um, but yeah, Mr. Maybury. <laughs> Have you seen the front as well, Tom? The big, front of the box. Big business has never been so much fun. The front of the box has uh, graph lines. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it doesn't. It looks, like a, it looks like a fake video game. Yeah, because it's the old Thing Park logo with just like a clip art golden ink badge yeah. stapled to the bottom. Some very freaky, cheap-looking three D people riding. Well, they're, they're, a, they're, they are the people from like the kids. They are, are aren't they? Yeah, that, those are all. All four of the character models that exist <laughs> in the game are on a roller coaster that just looks like the front of a car. That's then been extended. And yep. as you say, there are some graph lines and some dollars. So you can track your money. Yeah. So it's, um, I don't know if this is the kind of cover art that would necessarily appeal to a child I straight remember there away. Was, there was another anyway. one. There was an airline ink. All right. Which had a similar style on the front. Well, that was made by a different company, was it? A different I developer? Guess so, yeah. I don't know. Don't I know. don't know for certain. Um, but yeah. Some of the some of the things the box boasts of are being able to build and manage over two hundred different rides, ride eighteen roller coasters up close and personal, complete objectives and challenges to gain promotions, and swap coasters with your friends using the coaster design kit which we mentioned. Uh, with all these tools, you'll soon be building incredible gut-wrenching loop-the-loop coasters, researching exciting new attractions and upgrades, promoting special rides, and hiring and firing staff in no time at all. It's a selling point. You can fire people, Josh. Ruin people's livelihoods. Yay! <laughs> um, but watch out for kiddie pranksters, grumbling grannies, freak weather, and striking staff. They're certainly going to give you the ride of your life. Yeah, big business I, has I never th- been so much. Fun. I think uh, you know IG- IGN talks about how they they really like this game, um, but I think it stands that 
you know, of the you know, how much acclaim Parkitect has got when it came out. Oh yeah, um, because it's a basically a, the you know remake of the Roller Coaster Tycoon, Roller Coaster Tycoon games. You know, spiritual successor, as if you want. Uh, so clearly, they were the ones that truly got theme park nerds and theme park game nerd, you know, excited. Mm. Uh, not theme park inconsistent. GameSpot did give it a lesser score of six point eight. They criticised it for being complicated and said the goals uh, interfere with the enjoyment of the game, which is uh, probably closer to my opinion of it. I I don't necessarily like it when games of this ilk um, compromise fun and freedom, creative freedom, to force kind of objectives uh, and and maybe overcomplicated mechanics upon you. And we were talking before we started recording and you just mentioned it, Parkitect. That is actually one of my big problems with Parkitect is that I think that it goes... A few layers too deep in certain aspects of what it asks of you to just sort of the the overall management of the park. It's fine until you have to deal with how storage works or or the uh, products work for shops. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's like the the most annoying thing. There's like a level of of freedom and depth to the, the way it asks you to kind of link shops to supply hubs and things like that. Yeah. Which... I would love, which is also offered when it comes to designing rides, and that's great, but I don't want to have to deal with that level of depth when it comes to just putting shops down. I'd rather just put the shop down, and that's fine. Let me concentrate on what I actually want to be doing, which is designing cool rides. I think it's just not fully realised. They're kind of kind of trying to I mean we'll get onto this with Parkitect actually I think when we get there we did do a, a sort of Parkitect episode yeah quite some time ago that was like Christmas before last I yeah. think was when that game came out of early access if I'm not mistaken it was yes. around then yeah. end of 2018 so you can go back and find that episode but we, we will loop back round to Parkitect by the end of this series um, but yeah go on um, I think it's you know it's trying to do the kind of Disney World Utilidors kind of setup oh yeah um, but the way it works doesn't really allow you to do that. It's cool on paper, and I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm sure there are people who get a kick out of having that level of complete control, but I wish you could just turn it off yes. and just not have to worry about it, you know? But alas, uh, yeah, we'll get back to Parkitect when we get back to Parkitect. But that's it for Theme Park Inc. Yeah. Uh, next I, up, I think, I is yeah. RCT2. Sure is. Which is exciting stuff. Is that for you the peak of the genre? Um, I think I had the most fun on Rollercoaster Tycoon 3, but in terms of um, the best one, critically, yeah. I think RCT2 for sure. Awesome. Well, that'll be coming up in the not-too-distant future here on Park Rush. If you want to uh, stay in touch with the show during the week, you can do. You can email us, podcast at parkrush.com. We're also on the Instagrams and the Twitters at Parkrush Podcast. You can find every episode at parkrush.com or via your preferred podcasting app. Until next week, take it easy. Goodbye. Ciao.